Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. I have to figure out who my Big Ten allegiance will be to. I have a niece who's going to Michigan, so maybe it's Michigan. I can root for Northwestern, you know, a school that I wasn't able to get into. <laughs> Ohio State cost me a lot of money last year by not winning the national okay. title game, which I really needed them to do. Had them at 30-1 uh, to 1 after they lost to Michigan. I think I'm a Michigan guy now. Are you a Michigan guy? Wow. I'm a Michigan guy. But now I don't want to be a Michigan guy. Man, you, can't, you, can't, been, you can't align. They've been I might, spoken for. I might pick one of the Iowans. I okay. might pick Iowa or Iowa State, well, you, you know. You got to take Iowa because <laughs> Iowa State's in the Big 12. Are you sure? Yes, I'm very positive. I, come I really should get a Big Ten cheat sheet. With all this college realignment, it's hard to keep track of who's We should have let you pick Iowa State and yeah. see how long yeah. it took for you to well, notice. Yeah. Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Berry, served by Applebee's. By the way, for the record, I still have not been shown definitive proof that Iowa State is not in the Big Ten. There's like 20 hundred teams in the Big Ten. They could jump. They, they could, could be one of the teams that know. jump. Every day there's a new school joining a new alliance, leaving this conference, leaving that one. Like, we still got like three weeks till football season. There's a chance Iowa State plays in the Big Ten this year. You keep throwing out these teams. Like, you can't just choose, like, yeah, let's uh, support Crystal Palace in the Big Ten. Now, they play in the English Premier League. Right. you gotta, uh, you got to pick a real Big Ten team. A real Big Ten team. All right, so I threw it out on uh, Twitter. And by Twitter, I mean X. Mm-hmm. It's so weird to say X. But anyway, so I you, you see it there. Like, I'm letting the fans decide. I will bandwagon like no one before in history. I quote tweeted a tweet from Roto World. Uh, which was a video of what you just saw right there, us discussing my need for a Big Ten school. And when I say bandwagon like known before in history, Connor Rogers, I'm talking like Jay Croucher level you were of bandwagon. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you remember last year where, like, he was all in on the Jaguars and then he quickly pivoted to the Jets. Yeah. New York like Liberty. He, New York Liberty. Like, it's constantly, like, a, a team would win. Honestly, a team would have one good quarter. Mm. And then he's suddenly like, I love the Chargers. And then, you know, then they blow <laughs> the playoff like the game. And, like, you know, then he's just like, I'm out of the Chargers. And I should have stuck with the Jags because they yes, came good after I <laughs> jumped off the bandwagon. Right. Yeah, me and Stephen D. Agostino stuck by our swaguars yeah. all season long. Anyway, so I, I put it out on, on Twitter. I, uh, I put it out on all forms of social media. My, my Instagram, my TikTok, my threads, <laughs> uh, Fantasy Life app. I did it all uh, at Matthew Barry TMR. And, um, uh, and except Matthew Barry on, on the Fantasy Life app. And the four options that came at me the most, the, the ones that got the most mentions. I was surprised. Ohio State did not show up. Shocker. So I was shocked about that. I really thought they have enough fans. I, maybe so, or maybe they just don't want me. The, like, I was trying to say thing. the nice way, right? Yes. They're like, we got a good thing going yes. here, Barry. You, you stay. We've the seen way. where you align. Um, anyway, so the four options, and I'm going to put this out once again. I'll do a, I'll do another poll with these four, the final four, if you will, the final four: Penn State, okay, Iowa, not not to be confused with <laughs> Iowa State, but yes. Iowa, the lesser known Big Ten member, right? Iowa, so. <laughs> exactly. Michigan did show up, and I mentioned I do have an, I have a niece at I do have a niece at Michigan. I have friends that have gone to Michigan, and uh, and Maryland, and Maryland, the Terps, which we've also talked about again because I I lived in Virginia until I was uh, like twelve and a half years old, which is where my Washington fandom comes from. So it's I'm you know a little bit indigenous to the area. Okay, so we've ruled out all the others. No, Michigan, you're out on Michigan. State. I'm out on Michigan Strange. State. Uh, yeah, the East Lansing. I'm out on East Lansing. <laughs> Very I'm out on cool. East yeah, we'll have to do a uh, happy hour after dark yeah, on the reasons yeah, for that. Happy hour unfiltered. Uh, so Rutgers is out, even though we got the helmet on the wall. I don't think they were ever in. Purdue, Minnesota, they're all out, are they? Purdue and Minnesota are out. Rutgers, yeah. I mean, here's the thing, because I went to school at Syracuse, okay. and so for a long time, Rutgers and Syracuse were Big East rivals, okay. right? And by the way, my new teammate uh, over at Football Night in America, Dev McCourty. Rutgers superstar, of course, and so I sort of feel like we've got Rutgers covered here okay. at the company. That's fair. Okay. 
I pushed hard for Illinois, but I get it. It's a little off the map. Yeah. It's the, the fight in the line. A little, little too art house for Matthew Berry. I think so. <laughs> okay. I think so. I don't think we would buy into so it. I think no, it's. I think with, it's uh, with Maryland. The I, think it's, those, are I great. think it's one of those four. I think Penn State, Iowa, Maryland, Michigan. I'm going to put a poll up. And I will let the fans decide, unless I don't like what the fans decide. <laughs> then you just choose your own. It will be a completely, um, uh, completely useless exercise, and it'll be just totally about engagement farming. Yeah. So it'll be one of those two things. Like I am looking for, you know, a social media engagement uh, where the vote may be very meaningful or not at all. Yes. Do you, have, do you have a hashtag yet for the vote? Like Barry Bandwagon? <laughs> yeah, Barry yeah. Bandwagon. Yeah. That's not bad. Right? That's not bad. I like that. All right, Barry you Bandwagon. You, can you want to be sub- on the social media team at NBC Sports? Yes. After this shift, I'll <laughs> yeah. go to that shift as go. well. I'll just never leave. Yeah, done. We'll stay here forever. Perfect. All right, so we did have football last night. We had plenty of preseason action. You cho- you've chosen Wisconsin, right? You're a Wisconsin. Yeah. You're, you're hard on uh, – you're yes. full on. <laughs> no, like, whatever. You know, it's yeah. our last tape show. It's so really hard on. Hard like, on Wisconsin. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, no, I'm yeah. planting the flag there. You're, yeah, exactly. All right, so you're a Badger, and where are you? Oh, I just want the team that hurts OSU the most, which I think is Michigan. So, okay. yeah, I'm a Wolverine. All right, so you're a Wolverine. Yep. Interesting. All right, good. There we go. We'll All right. figure out what Lawrence takes. Lawrence's probably going to take Georgia State. I know Lawrence always figures out a way to work Atlanta or Georgia he into does. every conversation. And then the A's somehow. The A's were somehow. I involved. get criticized a lot for my bandwagon uh, tendencies. Lawrence Jackson's worn a, a Dodgers cap, an Athletics cap, and a Braves cap on this show. I know, but like you know, usually I mean the A's are terrible. Like it, like it, you pick only good teams. Right. Lawrence just picks obscure and weird teams to him. So here's the thing, which viewers might not have gotten because he was wearing his hat backwards. That Oakland. Athletics colored cap was actually a Braves cap. It has an Atlanta A on it, which is just ridiculous. That is, what's the, that what's is, the point? That is way what's out. the point? It's very listen, strange. Listen, let's be clear. <laughs> I was happy that Lawrence was wearing clothes. <laughs> yeah. Like, honestly, it was all gravy after that. He showed up. He had a shirt. You know, it was fantastic. We, it was we very got, good. Yeah, that was the most important part. Yeah. When Jay moved here, I remember one of the first things he said was, I'm going to raise my, my girls Yankees fans. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> since then... Yankees might not make the playoffs for the first time in a long time. There yeah. is, there is a Jay Crouch now, now I like the look of, uh, yeah, I like the look of the Orioles. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's a lifelong Orioles. Yeah, yeah, now. exactly. Yeah. Leading the good, division. Good year, good year to three choose up them. and the tiebreak. Yeah. All right. Last All right. night we had Texans, Patriots, Vikings, Seahawks. We'll start with a uh, much-awaited debut of C.J. Stroud, who didn't get to play a lot. He was two for four, 13 yards. Obviously, the interception was the notable play, but. Barry, I think when you look at the Texans' offense, what might have mattered the most is a guy that he hopes to be throwing to a lot in the future in Tank Dell, who did have a massive night, five catches, 65 yards, and a touchdown. And the most notable thing is Stroud just needs to play more than what we got to see in the first game. Not worried about Stroud. Like, it's first game. It's rook- he's a rookie. By the way, he's not really fantasy relevant. Exactly. We don't expect Stroud is somebody that you're drafting in dynasty leagues, and that's pretty much it, or like crazy, crazy deep leagues. So I'm not really worried about that. And he'll be fine. Like, you know, I'm not worried about... A uh, couple of series, but you mentioned Tank Dell, thousand percent. By the way, Tank Dell, Tank Dell drinks free here at the uh, at the Happy Hour Bar. So Tank, if you're ever in town, come on by. Yeah. Uh, Stanford. Look, Tank. I, this is what I tweeted out. Tank. It may take a while, but Tank Dell is going to be a thing. Tank Dell played all but one snap with the starters last night. Now again, Robert Woods and Noah Brown did not play, but like, are we scared about Robert Woods and Noah Brown? Like we, I mean, like. Tank Dell is really, really good, and it's not just me who thinks that. It's not just the Houston Texans front office that thinks that. It's his quarterback that thinks that. Here's C.J. Stroud when I interviewed him at the NFLPA rookie premiere. I got to talk to Nick, our GM, and he was asking me some questions about Tank. He was like, do you like him? I was like, yeah, I love him. Like, he's a great route runner, good dude, uh, can catch really well. He's a big radius, fast guy, can take the top off. And I was like, yeah, like um, I'll be happy with that. So he was like, call him. So I called Tank, and chopped it up and uh, he was hoping that to go to the Texans and then Nick gave him the call probably like uh, a couple hours later and then he, he ended up becoming the Texans. So it was kind of cool. There he goes. See, when your quarterback literally calls the general manager and says, yeah, go get me Tank Dell and then the general manager goes and gets him Tank Dell, like good things are going to happen. I also interviewed Tank Dell at the uh, rookie premiere and both guys talked about each other and talked about the fact, of course, Dell who played college ball in Houston literally lives like 10 minutes from where the Texans play. And so when C.J. Stroud moved to Houston as soon as he got drafted, like he's like, I've just been showing him around. I'm his tour guide. 
And so they're hanging out all day, every day. So there is a little bit of a shower narrative, if you will. A, um, <laughs> what are you looking for there? Yeah, shower narrative. <laughs> okay. shout, out to, shout out to my, yeah, shout out to my buddy Adam Levitan, um, which is, uh, that's always one of his phrases. But all I was going to say is, like, I do think, in addition to just the fact that there's a connection between the two players, like, he's just really, really good. He's somebody that I know, Connor, you and I talked about coming out of college Probably should have gone in the second round. Yeah, and just when you look at what they need, they need speed. They need somebody that can win over the top, and that's what Tank Dell could do. He had a million catches for Houston. He was the offense. I mean, Clayton Toon threw to him. They had him in motion almost every play, and the ball went to him. It felt like every one out of three plays. So he's ready for a lot of production if they give him that opportunity. But he also has a skill set that this Texans offense, when you look at it right now, there's not a lot that scares you. I think the offensive line has talent. We like Damian Pierce. But there's not a lot of excitement in the pass-catching group, and Tank Dell at least has the ceiling that could be exciting. Yeah, and last night, just the plays that he was making, it just kind of leapt off the screen, just the way he moves, his pace. It's like, oh, that doesn't look like Robert Woods. Robert Woods doesn't do that. And so I think that Dell will have an opportunity. Uh, he's 100-1 to 1 to an offensive rookie of the year, Tank Dell. I don't know, maybe worth a flyer. Uh, in terms of the, just the depth chart, though, for the receivers, kind of between John Mechie, Tank Dell... Uh, we've also Nico got Nico Collins, Collins yeah. who's Collins, solid. Right. I think had a better year last year sure. than anticipated. And then you have Robert Woods just kind of lingering. Right. Like between, say, particularly Dell and Mechie, who haven't seen play yet in the NFL, like how do you rank those two and their impact for this year? I think with Dell, he's just more explosive. Mechie's a refined route runner. He's been away from the game for he's unfortunate be circumstances. Guy. Exactly. When you look at Dell, he's just a more explosive player. And to answer your question, he would have been taken in the top 50 if he wasn't 165 pounds before the draft. That's the second percentile weight. That's an outlier. But but he's so good that he can overcome that, and he will get bigger, he will get stronger. So I don't think it's a matter of if for Tank Dell during his rookie season, it's when is he going to be the focal point, because you can get him easy touches and he can make a play with the ball in his hands. And that's the important part here, because the other thing you have to think about is what this Texans offense is, right? And it's a work in progress. And so at some point, and it might be week one, at some point the Texans are going to be eliminated. And they're going to be like, and they're gonna be like you know what, we got to build for the future. And with all due respect to Bobby Trees, love Robert Woods, but Robert Woods is not part of the future. Noah Brown's not part of the future. Like, they need to be like, we don't care. We need C.J. Stroud to get reps. We need Tank Dell and John Mechie and Nico Collins to be out there and playing. Like, these young guys, along with Damian Pierce, and just let them get reps. And so... Again, sometimes it takes rookie wide receivers a little while. A couple veterans were out yesterday. I know, you know, it's vanilla defenses. It's second string. A lot of starters are out. I'm just telling you, mark my words, this year at some point, Tank Dell is going to be a thing. Yep. You know who Robert Woods is? He's Jacoby Brissett, where he's fine. And he might be use, more useful to winning right now than other options, but it also just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And it's just completely illogical if you're going to be playing him over the young guy who needs to develop because they're not trying to win the Super Bowl. And by year. the way, we're not even sure that Robert Woods is fine. Like, yeah. he did nothing, nothing in Tennessee last year. Last year. Yeah. And you just don't know, is it, was it health or is he just sort of hit a wall? We just, we don't know. But the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, the Titans did not bring him back after, you know, seeing him last year. And so... He's on his third team in three seasons, and we'll see. I Tank Dell is one of my favorite late-round flyers. Yep. Yeah, I think when you look at Bobby Sloak coming over from the 49ers with D'Amico Ryans to be the offensive coordinator, it's about creating space in the pass game, yeah. and Tank Dell is the guy that maximizes that. So, like you said, it's just a matter of if. We also, in this game on the Patriots side, not a lot of exciting quarterback play, especially with the backup offensive line struggling. Tyquan Thornton's been an interesting player. He had two catches for 31 yards last night, but it seems like he has not been a guy in camp. And this is someone that they used a second-round pick on just a little bit of a year ago. Yeah, wow. A Patriots wide receiver draft pick not working out. What, who could have? In the first two rounds. Seen that? Could, have, could have seen that coming. We wanted to bring up Tyquan Thornton just because he's somebody that, when he was drafted, he's been a little bit of a buzzy player, certainly in fantasy circles. People like Tyquan Thornton. And one of the catches he made last night was absolutely terrific. Yep. Just a really fantastic uh, catch. But the fact of the matter is, is that I think the fact that he got so much playing time last night when so many starters, right, you know, and, you know, whether it was Bourne or Juju or, you know, the offensive line, like so many starters were out last night. And the fact that Thornton got so much playing time should be a hint that, like, that's somebody that probably shouldn't be drafted except in a deep dynasty league. And, uh, in fact, uh, we uh, – it's not just us that's hearing – uh, about yeah, camp. Phil Perry joined the Roto World Football Show. Phil does an incredible job covering the Patriots, and he had some really interesting thoughts on where Tyquan Thornton stands with the team in the wide receiver room right now. So take a listen. 
he just never really fully picked up the offense, it felt like. Even late in the season, you could see confusion. And again, you could chalk this up to coaching, but you could see confusion when it came to, okay, what route was he supposed to run here? And why are he and Mac on clearly different pages in given situations? So this summer you thought, okay, better coach, better understanding of the pro game, of their offense specifically, and we just haven't seen it come together. Yeah, let's not what you want to hear. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you reckon Bill Belichick has about a guy who hasn't picked up the offense yet? Uh, yeah. I think the problem is, is that he's pretty clearly fourth in the pecking order for receivers there behind uh, Juju, Bourne, Devontae Parker, Thornton I think would be fourth. And, uh, and all, he's fourth I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not even convinced he's fourth. Yeah. I mean, uh, is it Butte? How do I pronounce that? Keishon Butte has yeah. been the undrafted rookie. It's had a good camp. I believe they have DeMario Douglas from Liberty. I mean, they right. have guys making plays that weren't what, drafted. And by the way, don't forget that it's still going to be a conservative probably run first offense. And, like, I like Hunter Henry this year. I like Hunter yeah. Henry in a Bill O'Brien offense who likes to use two tight end sets a lot. Um, it, you know, they signed Gusecki as well. Like, there's an argument to be made that, especially when you think about Ramondre Stevenson's passing game prowess, Hunter Henry and even Gusecki. There's an argument to be made that Thornton's like eighth or ninth on the depth chart in terms of who's getting targets in this passing game. Yep. Nothing to see here. Nothing, uh, nothing to see here. The only thing to see is Denny Carter wearing an NBC Sports Edge. Uh, you know, yeah, it's now Roto the World. Can we get Denny an updated <laughs> wardrobe here? Can we, we get him a new shirt? That was the most concerning. Roto World blazer. Yeah, can we, yeah, can we, send, uh, can we send Denny a Roto a World blazer? Or a, there we go. No, yeah, or a cardigan. cardigan. Roto World cardigan. That's what we need here. Somebody in production send Denny a, an updated wardrobe. Just don't bring back the sip thing again no. from last year. <laughs> <laughs> He's a sick man, Danny Carter. Yeah. Very, very sick. We, uh, we had a game, a later game, with the yeah. Vikings and the Seahawks. Some more notable, I think, fantasy players getting a lot of action in this one, starting with the Vikings' backfield. Everyone's trying to figure out who's going to be the guy after Alexander Madison. Of course, they have Dwayne McBride there, the rookie. But Ty Chandler stood out in this game, I think, Barry. 11 carries for 41 yards. More notable across the fantasy landscape was those four catches for 29 yeah. yards because – I think, Barry, that's the way he's going to be used during the regular season to complement Alexander Madison. They don't have other guys on that roster that can tr- – you know, McBride is a nothing in the, in the, uh, in the passing attack. Um, it, like, the other guys on that roster are, like, special teams guys or whatever. Chandler is somebody that you know from your days with the Jets. You know I mean? That's somebody that can, um, that can potentially play all three downs. Again, you mentioned – so if there's, if there's a chance that he's going to carve out a little bit of a passing – uh, passing game role on this team, but more importantly, he's the clear backup to Alexander Madison. He becomes pretty interesting, I think, in what we we believe will be a pretty good offense. So it just I think that was important because Madison is unproven as an every down workhorse back over an entire NFL season. Yeah, I think the Vikings offense just should be really good. I think it should be better even than it was last year where it's weird because they went 13-4, and but I feel like they underachieved in terms of what they could have done on offense. It was just so Jefferson-centric, but with a solid offensive line, particularly when Christian Darasaur is healthy, TJ Hawkinson full season integrated in uh, with Jefferson, Addison, uh, and what they're going to get out of the running game. I mean, it should be a top-10 offense. KJ Osborne. Yeah, yeah, the explosion. The exp- yeah. We had the debut of two first-round rookie wide receivers in this game. Jordan Addison, he had one catch for 22 yards. Jackson Smith and Jigba, though, for Seattle, three catches, 25 yards. And it felt like watching Seattle's offense, yes, it's the preseason, but there was a significant effort just to get the ball in JSN's hands. And that's something that if it carries over into the regular season, him being their number three wide receiver, he'll be significantly impactful. It's great to bring up these guys. It's not that anything they did last night was notable, but it's, it gives us an excuse to talk about these two guys. And these should be two of the first rookie wide receivers off the board in redraft leagues this year. I mean, in terms of Addison, the opportunity is obvious, right? We just talked about it. Like, it's a, it's a top-10 offense. It's going to be a pass-first offense. They like to throw. Kevin O'Connell likes to push the ball down the field. Last year, 107 targets for Adam Thielen. He's no longer there. He's in Carolina, right? Vikings third in pass attempts last season. So, again, there should be big volume there. K.J. Osborne was the number three wide receiver last year on Minnesota. He saw 90 targets. So, I just think Addison, in terms of his skill set and the opportunity, like, I'm not, like, I like K.J. Osborne, but I don't think K.J. Osborne's this, like, well, there's no way he's moving past him on the depth chart. Like, it's Jefferson and then everyone else. And so, if he proves himself, I do really like uh, T.J. Hawkinson in that passing game. But, like, Osborne, I think, is pretty interesting. I'm at wide receiver 35 in my current ranks. As for Jackson Smith and Jigba, I mean, like, I go back to Garrett Wilson. 
And and by the, I mean, it's not just because they're Ohio State wide receivers. Speaking of the Big Ten, happy Big Ten Day for everyone that celebrated yesterday. Uh, it's the fact that he's insanely talented. That's the key. Right? The, last year, the, the anti-Garrett Wilson argument was, well, the Jets don't have a quarterback, and, you know, what kind of offense, and blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, all right, well, we'll figure it out. And, like, again, even with Mike White under center, even with Joe Flacco under center, like, Garrett Wilson was awesome. And so the JSN argument is, like, well, they're – Pete Carroll always likes to run. You got DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett there. You know, how much can you go? And I'm just like, talent finds a way, especially in the second half of the season for rookies. And so, I mean, I don't know where JSN was on your board, but I assume he was one or two. He was my number one wide receiver and the top 13 player. I, yeah, wow. I, there were shades of his game that I compared to Cooper Cup, honestly. And that, I don't like to do hyperbole comparisons, but he was that talented. He, when he played with Olave and Garrett Wilson, he had over 1,400 receiving yards. I mean, this dude is awesome. He just missed his last college season with injury. Everybody freaked out, and he was still the first wide receiver taken. So, I mean, I re- you know, he's going to be phenomenal. It reminds, I'm, I, uh, I remember how everyone was very nervous about another wide receiver that missed his uh, season yeah. before. Jamar Chase. Yeah. Right? Well, you know, everyone's just like, oh, Jamar Chase didn't play last year in college. I don't know. Oh, and he had two drops in the preseason. Yeah. Yeah. The preseason freakout was worse. Oh my God. That was yeah. all time. We, yeah, different bowl couldn't say it or whatever um, because of the laces. But yeah, I think with JSN, the other thing with Seattle is that there is the perception that they do run a ton, and they have previously. But last year with Geno, they actually threw the ball at an above average rate. They became more of a pass happy team. So I think with JSN, just the difficulty is like, what is his actual ceiling? So long as Metcalf and Lockett are both healthy. Um, I think Addison has the highest ceiling just because it's much more likely that he leaps over KJ Osborne to your point, Matthew, yeah. than JSN is stealing more targets from Metcalf and Lockett just because they're more established. But, you know, certainly both guys have a lot of I think talent. what you're saying is here, you're like, oh, they passed more under Geno Smith. You were saying that they, they were trying to hide Russell Wilson. Exactly. That's what it yeah, was. But now exactly. that once they have Geno, they, they, they open it, they open run, it run, up. Pass. I will say this, though. Like, coaches generally are like, okay, what do we have? And you sit here and you think about the fact that Ken Walker, we saw Zach Charbonnet last night, which was great. Sure. But, you know, Ken Walker, Jay, you and I were talking about this before the show, and I, I tweeted about this yesterday. Like, Ken Walker still isn't turning in yeah. practice. Do, like, you, since, do you need to do that? Yeah, I mean, like he's, right now they've like, well, he's gotten up to running in a straight line. I'm like, yeah. okay. <laughs> like, I know we still got a All few right. weeks. Halfback and, dive plays. Right. Yes. Yeah. And Pete Carroll's saying, like, well, it's not a serious injury. And, like, again, Pete, Pete, Carroll. Carroll, Pete Carroll's one of those guys that's like, again, you know, like – you show up with your arm cut off. He's just like, he'll be back in a week. And you're like, he's, you know, Pete Carroll's an eternal optimist. Um, I'm definitely a little nervous about Kenneth Walker. And certainly, uh, Zach Charbonnet should be rising up. But, again, if they don't, if they feel like the, the uh, best part of their offense is going to be their passing attack, they found something in Geno. They signed him to big money this offseason. They drafted JSN. They've got the two guys in Lockett and Metcalf. Maybe they do go. Again, they continue to pass at an above-average rate. Yeah, I'd be just be very worried about Ken Walker in general. Not so much just this injury in isolation, but the fact that he's dealing with the ankle all the back end of last season. He missed the start of the year last year because of the sports hernia. Just seems like he's just constantly hurt, and it's a different thing. And you're more worried when it's one degenerative thing, like a knee that is just always going to hinder you. But it's just something new every time, and maybe he's just not a guy who's going to stay healthy. And if that's the case, then Charbonnet all of a sudden becomes uh, an elite running back option. We hadn't really planned on talking about this, but I'll just say Walker is a fascinating case study. So, um, and I talk about him, you know, if, if you read my 100 Facts column for free on rotoworld.com and NBCSports.com on a company man, uh, I talk about him there. And what I will say is, is like, you know, he's one of those guys that was, you know, once he became the starter last year, like he was a top six running back in rushing yards. But it was two things. It was volume-based. Like he was getting tons and tons of work because he was like the only guy there. And the other thing is, is like it was sort of home run dependent. Yeah, like sure. he would, he would like two, two yards, two yards, two yards, seventy. Yep. Yeah, I mean, like you know, and so you need that again. Like if he's so boomer bust, which is how he profiled in college, right, sure. Connor? Yeah. And so when you're that boomer bust, you need to have a lot of touches so that you can boom, right? I mean, because it's just one of those things. It's like you're still waiting for the home run, but if you if you're not getting that bats, as I switch sport sport metaphors here. Right, then that's tough. And if he's splitting time, even if, even if it's 70-30, Walker to Charbonnet, or 65-35, that's less touches. And now you're talking about a team that's going to be a little bit more pass first. Um, walk, much like he is as an NFL player, he is, he is one of the more boomer bust 
running backs this year, I think, in terms of range of outcomes in fantasy. Yeah. As someone who had a Ken Walker O'Roy ticket and was watching him very closely, he didn't get a lot of help from his O-line. and no. there, He was gobbled up a lot. I think the O-line should be a bit better, but that'll be cancelled out, I think, by more Charbonnet, who's m- much more threatening, I think, than you know DJ Dallas or Travis Homer or whoever was behind him last year. Yeah. Charbonnet also adding in two catches last night, too. So we'll see even when Kenneth Walker's back if he can carve out a pass-catching role, which he was extremely serviceable at UCLA. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Home isn't just a place. It's a state of mind. Like curling up in a comfy chair while it's cold outside. With a warm drink or maybe even a wine in hand. As you watch the world go by outside your window. Mmm, short rib. Good afternoon, this is your captain speaking. Which is why at Delta, our people do our best to make you feel at home. Refill? Long before you get there. Delta, keep climbing. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem. Of a detour. Uh, some other headlines here. Eagles beat writer Seamus Clancy says Kenneth Gainwell has increasingly been the team's early down back where he's getting touches as a runner. Clancy points out in his article he assumed free agent signing Rashad Penny would handle the majority of the early down touches for the Eagles, but Gainwell has undoubtedly had the stronger camp so far. And Connor, I know you've got some uh, really good sources on that team. Are they echoing this? I think the bigger uh, way to put it is Gainwell's involved, right? It doesn't mean he's the runaway back, but I think for so long it's Rashad Penny, DeAndre Swift, and it's like, let's settle down. They have a big plan for Kenneth Gainwell. This is somebody that coming out of Memphis was an excellent receiving back. You could play him in the slot, and Philadelphia's offense wants to have a lot of different variables, and they see Gainwell as the guy out of those three that can maybe offer the most uh, versatility, I would say. So for me, from talking to people, what was confirmed, because I was like, is this really this true? And they're like, I think the more notable aspect is they like him a lot, and he's at a minimum even with those guys when real football is being played. And I think the bigger point there is is that we talked about him the other day on the show, and we talked about, well, you know, oh, he's the two-minute offense guy, and we sort of poo-pooed that because, okay, whatever. But the fact is is that um, as you start thinking about it, right, they can use him in the passing game. They can use him in, in, in the two-minute drill. There's cer- certain situational packages that they have for him. He's been in that system for a long time. They like him. And I'm going to give you a shocking stat here. Last year, Kenneth Gainwell, you talk about the pass catching. Everyone knows about the pass catching. He's a smaller back, right? He's, a, he's, he's fast, everything like that. Makes sense why he's in the two-minute drill. Last year, Kenneth Gainwell had 11 goal-to-go carries. Only eight fewer over the course of the season than Miles Sanders. Like, 11 goal-to-go carries. Like, they're not scared to run them up the middle, to run them off tackle. 11 different times, they were in a goal-to-go situation. They handed the ball off to Kenneth Gainwell. And so, what that does, if you are the Eagles, right, and you're sitting here thinking about how you game plan, like, if DeAndre Swift comes in, you're like, all right, well, it's probably a passing play, right? And if Rashad Petty comes in, it's probably up the middle. But Gainwell says, like, well, I don't know what this is, right? Again, and do we think Kenneth Gainwell suddenly getting 20 carries? We don't, obviously. But I think what we're all saying here is that uh, Kenneth Gainwell is basically free in drafts. And so if you want to take a dart throw at the Eagles running back situation, which we all don't know, right, because Swift is going to have a role, Penny's going to have a role, obviously Hurts is always a threat to vulture a touchdown when you're getting close to. The fact of the matter is, is Gainwell will have a role and of all the running backs, he's by far the cheapest. And why not throw a last-round pick or you know a late-round pick on Kenneth Gainwell? Yeah, and I think the thing with this kind of stuff is that a lot of people on Twitter slash X are going to be like, this is ridiculous. How is it not DeAndre Swift? How is it not Rashad Penny? These guys are so much more talented. And I understand that, but I think so much of the time you have to regress back to the fact that NFL coaches are generally pretty smart and they're generally going to make the best decision for the team. And certainly when it's the Philadelphia Eagles, who are the most analytically driven team in the league, Nick Sirianni is one of the best coaches in the league, he's going to make the right decision. And if he says that Kenneth Gainwell is their best option, 
then he's probably their best option, and that's going to matter in fantasy. If it's something like Dallas and Mike McCarthy and Ezekiel Elliott, more happy to poke holes in that, but I'm going to trust uh, Nick Sirianni on this one. At the same time, you have to think that Swift and Penny are going to see enough run that I think all of these guys are just going to be extremely frustrating yeah. and there's no one that you're going to be really content with. You have to take it with a slight grain of salt because also one of the reasons why Gainwell is probably excelling in camp early on is he knows the offense. Right, yeah. These guys just got there. And so they're probably like, oh, sorry, I, well, I was supposed to move over there to the left. I'm sorry. Oh, oh, on 63, I'm supposed to step up into the pocket to, you know. Anyway, so I'm sure there's like stuff like that where they're just they're still learning the offense that Gainwell's known for a number of seasons, and so I think as camp goes on, those guys will get more comfortable with the offense and they'll learn. But again, the point is merely Kenneth Gainwell is going to be a thing this year, and even if he's a third of this backfield, that is a, a that's a good value of where he's going in drafts. Like he's just not being drafted until very late. So I just think. Late round flyer, Kenneth Gainwell, should be on your radar. He's going to have a bigger role for the Eagles than I think people may be thinking now. And, and one last thing on Gainwell from the conversations that I've had for years now. You brought up earlier, some people held it against Jamar Chase when he didn't play his final college season, yeah. the COVID year. Kenneth Gainwell didn't play. And Kenneth Gainwell, I remember evaluating him that summer. He was a second or third round lock. He doesn't play. Teams held it against him. He fell pretty deep into day three. This is not a day three talent. This was a day two talent. So I think people still look at Kenneth Gainwell from where he was drafted, not the player he was at Memphis before he opted out of that season. Yeah. And Philadelphia views him as that talent. And he's going to be see the field. So we'll see where this one goes. If you're a zero RB person, like this is the guy that you yeah. throw yeah. the dart on, in my opinion. And also, like Rashad Penny is as well, even with this. Sure. Because when Rashad Penny has been healthy, which is never, but when he has been healthy, he's been one of the top ten running back in the NFL. Yeah, get your four games. Yeah. Behind yeah. that offensive line... He, but you know, yeah. he could it's be scary. awesome. Yep. Yes. Over in Chiefs camp, uh, beat reporter Jesse Newell said Sky Moore has been with the first team offense every rep at camp when the Chiefs run two receiver sets. Obviously, they use the second round pick on Rasheed Rice, but besides that, this is a pretty thin wide receiver group, Barry. And Sky Moore was drafted in the second round not that long ago. I know from talking to my team sources, they love Sky Moore. They love the kid. They love Kadarius Tony too, but again, Kadarius Tony struggled with injuries. He's hurt right now as well. He's not going to play this weekend in the preseason game. Miko Hardman, Juju Smith-Schuster, both on the team last year, neither of them there. That's 135 targets right there just between those two guys that are no longer on the team that are sort of up for grabs. And so, you know, you'll see, you know, again, it's the Chiefs, and they're going to mix it around. And so you'll see some rice. You'll see some... Tony, when he's out there, obviously, you'll see some MVS, you know, maybe Justin Ross or Justin Watson. One of those guys gets on the field and everything like that. But you're right. They like Sky Moore a lot. I know that for a fact, just talking to team sources over there. Uh, they think the, 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 uh, the kid is great. And it's worth noting that last year, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs were second in the NFL in slot targets. Now, obviously, Kelsey obviously inflates that somewhat, but still. 58% of Sky Moore's targets last year came in the slot. The expectation is that he'll play a decent amount there this season as well. So I'm at wide receiver 50, honestly, and I might be too low. Yeah. There's two things here. One, I think just head-to-head, I'd just rather have Sky Moore than Kadarius Tony for this season. If I had to draft one of them, I'd rather take Sky Moore. Just and because then, of the health. Yeah, sure. because of the health. Tony's got you know, more upside with the talent, but I'd rather have Sky Moore. And then secondly, I think people are just overthinking this, where Sky Moore, I think, has the best chance to be wide receiver one for Patrick Mahomes, and he's going outside the top 130 in drafts. That's right. just wrong. It just, can't, it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> doesn't yeah. make like sense. He needs to go higher. I'm with you. That that is one. Him and Rasheed Rice are the two to watch. Like, who is going to carve out more of a role? Or maybe they just balance each other out. Paul Denner Jr. from The Athletic noted Bengals running back Chris Evans is running ahead of rookie running back Chase Brown in training camp. This one, to me, guys, I mean, rookie running backs get phased in usually the slowest if you're not a first-round pick, so I'm not floored by this note. I, I'm not either, and I want to see what it's like when Travion Williams comes back. Again, sure. I grew up in College Station, Texas. I'm a Texan A&M homer, so I, uh, you know, I kind of stand for Travion Williams. I also maybe have him on a deep dynasty league, so hope springs eternal. But I, I do think I think Travion Williams is a good running back. Like I, I think he, like I watched him in the SEC. Like he, he was really good, and he's so. I'm not ready to be like, okay, yes, Chris Evans is absolutely the insurance running back you want behind Joe Mixon. There's always still a chance they sign a veteran as well. It, it does seem weird that a team that has Super Bowl aspirations, legitimate Super Bowl aspirations the way that the Bengals do, that they wouldn't go out and get another veteran because Mixon's dealt with injuries you know, here and there over his career. It feels weird that they're going to go in with Joe Mixon and then a 
couple of guys that don't have a ton of experience. Yeah, and I, with the Chris Evans thing, like I think there's a good chance if something were to happen to Mixon, the running back option on the Bengals that you want just isn't even on the team yet. Like they right. might just sign someone. It could be like a Leonard Fournette, Zeke Elliott yeah. situation for sure. Uh, Steelers Depot Alex Carosa believes ta- uh, tight end Darnell Washington will be a big time red zone weapon as a rookie. Obviously, Darnell Washington is basically the size of an offensive tackle and can run like a wide receiver. So. This will be interesting to see how the usage of him here, Barry, because it feels like this is one that maybe carves into other guys' red zone targets rather than him being a standalone fantasy option. Yeah, I can't imagine him being a standalone fantasy option, but could I see him – could I see them, again, giving his size – it certainly makes sense that he's going to be a part of their red zone package, right? So that, that makes a ton of sense. Last year, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers' top 12 in terms of tight end end zone targets, so it's a part of their offense already, and you've got a weapon like him. But – I think this news will do two things. Number one is I think it will depress Pat Fryermuth's ADP, which I'm like, okay, good. I still want Pat Fryermuth. Last year, top six among tight ends, targets, receptions, yards last season. He had 15 full games last year. He had over 20% target share. He was second on the team in red zone targets. Okay, fine. Maybe Washington gets a, you know, a touchdown two or three over the course of the year. But Fryermuth's still going to be a big part of an offense that I'll tell you guys, I think has vastly improved this year. I don't think you and I ever had the Kenny Pickett conversation, but where did you have him coming out of college? Because I think that second year in the system, Kenny Pickett knowing he is the guy, this is his team, he doesn't have to worry about Mitch Trubisky or whatever, like Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, Allen Robinson, we'll see if we get anything out of him, Fryermuth, you know, Washington, like Najee Harris, like there's some weapons, weapons there in Pittsburgh. He was my QB1 that year. I compared him. I said if he hits the ceiling, you're looking at a Derek Carr kind of player. And you, in fantasy, you gladly take the Derek Carr of the Steelers throwing to those guys. So Pickett's a guy that's, you know, he needs to play in rhythm. He needs to play with timing. You're not going to see a lot of that his rookie year. He can move a little bit more than he gets credit for. He's, yeah, a little so more mobile. I, I'm expecting a big jump from Kenny Pickett. I thought he was the best quarterback in that class. I just think I think he I, Derek Carr's a great comp. I, I like. I think I'm not saying he's going to make a – Anthony Richardson, you know, like Anthony Richardson could be the number one quarterback in fantasy. Kenny Pickett, that's not in his, that's not in his ceiling. But do I think Kenny Pickett could be a top 12-ish fantasy quarterback? Like, is that within the range of outcomes for him? I think it is. Again, because I think he could get you 30 rushing yards a game. And, like, again, if they, the pass, if they pass a little bit more, you know. Yeah. Anyway, but regardless of whether Pickett is, like, a viable late-round quarterback uh, option, and I do think he is, I will say that I think um, – it's, that, that offense is going to be much improved, and I think the Washington uh, red zone effect will only help pick it. But yeah. I don't know that he, there's any standalone value for him. I like that you specified that you haven't ha- you hadn't had the Kenny Pickett conversation with Connie yet. So that is a conversation that uh, two men must always have at some yeah, stage the of their friendship. Me and me and Connor should. Yeah. Yes, yeah, that was a Kenny Pickett negotiation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, Kenny I've got Pickett. I've got a list. Hang on, I've got a list of conversations <laughs> yeah. I need to have. Kenny like Pickett. so with right with Connor was like Kenny Pickett. Like, Iowa State. With, well, yeah, with with you it's Colin Hay. <laughs> yeah, Colin Hay. All right. Yeah, at least you are men at work for anyone uh, wondering. <laughs> Big Australian band. Yeah, the uh, men at work. 600 to 1 prop cashes. It's all being mentioned. After Kenny Pickett. Somebody's at home with a big ticket. Right. Unbelievable. Do you uh, have a favorite men at work song? Uh, yeah, Land Down Under. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. there it is. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. That's a Thanks. deep cut right well. there. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> the show is back. Do you know any other Men at Work songs? Uh, let's talk about the Roto World Fantasy Football Draft Guide. <laughs> yes, okay. The show is back, and so is the Roto World Fantasy Football Draft Guide. Stay connected throughout training camps with updated player rankings, team profiles, and projections that will help you win your fantasy league. Go to NBCSports.com slash draft guide and use promo code Barry20. For 20% off at checkout. Okay, and by the way, uh, (laughs) promo code J10 and and Connor5 are real promo codes. Like, they actually work. (laughs) And so I'm asking my audience, I want somebody to use the promo code uh, Connor5 and J10. To track. Yeah, and send me a screenshot of you doing that, and I'll uh, I'll repost you, re-X you, whatever it is, that kind of stuff. So, at MatthewBerryTMR, let me see those. I want to... I want to see them. I'll, I'll give some sort of prize. <laughs> give some sort of uh, a, uh, some sort of prize part. or something like please that. Please help me. Yeah, but please I help want me keep people to use that. I want like whatever. I'll uh, 
I'll, I'll send you a video for your draft or something like that. If yeah, you use Connor yeah. 5 or J10, you're a real fan of the show. Yeah, Like, you're exactly. the upper echelon. Yeah, which we listeners. love. That means you're, you're a way bigger fan of the I show will send than you, I am. I will <laughs> definitely send you a thank you video if you, yeah. anyone uses Connor 5. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah, you'll so, get a shout-out on the show. We yes. will absolutely shout you out on the show, It's a good too. deal. It's actually it a good, good value. Deal. I mean, look, it's 5% it's off. It's a good value. You get 5%, 5% off. off. Right. Or 10% off with J10. Yeah. So ridiculous. Fantastic. Disgusting. Positional rankings. Anyway, any one of those promo codes will work. Uh, Connor 5, J10, or Barry20 at NBC Sports. With no shout out. Dot yeah. com. Use Barry20. Slash draft guide. All right, let's continue the rankings here, Barry. We will go 50 to 100 right. today. This yep. is a, a, big, uh, a big amount of rankings we have to get through. So 51 through 60. We're going to do a quarterback here at the top with Justin Herbert leading the pack. Followed by DJ Moore, Damian Pierce, Marquise Brown, George Kittle. Justin Fields at 56. Definitely a bit of a fantasy darling with the rushing this year. Drake London, Deontay Johnson, James Conner, and Christian Watson. Who is the the notable player in this group of 10 here, Barry, that can kind of go a couple ways? I think there's a couple. I mean, first off, I just think, like, again, like, you know, guys like Pierce and Conner, like, if you you go wide receiver early, you go Kelsey in the first round. I just – I think both – Pierce and Connor are being underdrafted because they're on bad teams, but they're still going to get a tremendous amount of volume. I think both are talented uh, players. I Everyone's freaked out about Colt McCoy, but Marquise Brown's numbers without DeAndre Hopkins, just massive, massive target share. Uh, but I think the guy that's really interesting here for fantasy, not that I love him, but I think Deontay Johnson is just you know sort of really interesting, right? So last year, career lows in yards per target, catch rate, you know, we talked about the touchdowns. You know, um, but last year, last year he was top six in end zone targets and still went 147 targets without a touchdown. It's an NFL record. <laughs> it's my favorite like, set of year. Right. Regression to the mean, you know, guy should have double digit touchdowns. We think he's a very talented wide receiver. 27% target share. You just heard me talking up Kenny Pickett. I do think that offense takes another step here. So Deontay Johnson, who I don't love, but this is a guy that was going as a top 20 wide receiver two years ago. Like, I mean, he was going, like, as wide receiver, like, 14. And now, like, he comes in at 56 overall. And that's about where he's going. Like, the upside on Deontay Johnson is just too great to ignore him when you get into this range. Yeah. I think I was laughed off the set by Michael Smith when I said that Deontay Johnson is one of the 20 most talented wide receivers in football. I stand by that. I think that he does have the talent. And it's a weird thing to say, but I think Kenny Pickett is one of the most important players in the NFL this season. Because if he's just good... If he's just 7.5 out of 10 good, then all of a sudden, that team can win the division. They become super fantasy relevant because to the point earlier, they just have, they have so many players on that yeah. team who could be extremely fantasy relevant. It's a strange amount of mouths on the team. And so I think that Pickett is good. And he looked good towards the end of last season. Led those game-winning drives towards the end of the year against, I think, uh, Vegas and Baltimore. Uh, he has talent there. And if he's good, then all of a sudden, the Steelers are very, very interesting, Connor. Yeah, that's something you said, Jay. That could be a Mike Tomlin Coach of the Year Yeah, spot. he's like 25-1. to one, right. And they're 5-1 to one to win the I, division. I, I have said this many times. I don't understand how what people should do now is we should go back and – Go back and look at all whoever won Coach of the Year yeah. and and take those awards away and I'll give them to Mike Tomlin for every <laughs> single year. I'm, hear me out. For every single year that Antonio Brown played for Mike Tomlin. <laughs> because when you think about all the how productive he was under Mike Tomlin and no one knew the crazy. Right? I mean, like, they kept it in-house. Like, Mike Tomlin, whatever he did, like, they kept the crazy in. And now, like, you know... It's it's a little nutty. He's, he's never won the award. Mike Tomlin's never won Which Coach of the Year. He's won the Super Bowl. He's never finished under 500. If that team goes 12-5 and five and wins the division, then he should just has win. To be it. I, I mean, it has to be it. But, by the way, I would argue that if Mike Tomlin retires today, he's a Hall of Fame coach. For and sure. he's, never, he's never won Coach of the Year. Yeah. I, it's, it's insane. It's that we, people take Mike Tomlin for granted because they're like, oh, yeah, you're, they're always going to be good. It's like Belichick. Yeah. I mean, how many Coach of the Year's awards have Belichick? I think Belichick's won one. Uh, they might have two. But... but Matt, like the, Matt Nagy has one. I mean, Mike Tomlin doesn't. Right? No, but that's Matt the same thing. Like Belichick should win it ever. You know, for yeah, like yeah. during the Brady year, like Belichick should have won it every yes. year, and he never did. Like yeah. so, unfortunately, coaches get are the victims of their own success, and you get sort of expected. We we talked about this last year where we both agreed Kyle Shanahan should have won Coach of the Year. Yep. Uh, like go six and zero without Brock Purdy, and it was Brian Dayball who that was a great story, but. Like, again, public perception was, oh, he took over this awful team. And, like, no, Vegas win total was seven, and he won nine games. Yeah. 
By the way, nine games with an asterisk because that game against the Commanders where Curtis Samuel got <laughs> mugged in the end zone, like that should have been a loss, but the Giants somehow won that game. Because... the game against the Colts where me and Connor could have beaten Sam Ellinger and uh, what was going on in Indianapolis. Yeah, anyway, I mean, we like Brian Dayball yeah, here, but Dayball's Kyle Shannon coach. should have been coach of the year last year. Great. Thank you, man. Moving right. on, 61 through 70. Started with Cam Akers and then Miles Sanders here. Got back-to-back running backs, followed by Darren Waller, a new home Ooh. with the Giants. Isaiah Pacheco, a pretty – Popular sleeper this year. And then Chris Godwin, Tyler Lockett, Brandon Ayuk, three wide receivers in a row, followed by Kyle Pitts, Dallas Goddard, and number 70, a surging Trevor Lawrence. I mean, I think this is – I love this uh, kind of – I love this list. I love kind of this section of the draft. I'd be good with a lot of these people. I think Ayuk has a big year. I, I think Goddard has a really big year. I, Trevor Lawrence was on my short list for, for ride or die. Darren Waller, I think, is going to have a monster year uh, with the Giants. But – I want to talk a little bit here about Cam Akers because I think he's a really fascinating guy. Last year, Rams 29th in both running back carries and targets last season. The offensive line was awful. First 12 weeks of the season, Cam Akers averaged 3.9 fantasy points per game, right? Under 10 touches a game, right? And there were all these weird things like, we're going to trade him, we're going to release him, like he's in the doghouse. And then, weeks 13 on, he was the sixth best running back in fantasy. I'm sorry, he was the fifth best running back in fantasy. Fifth best running back. Average over 100 yards from scrimmage. He averaged over 19 touches a game. 100 total yards in each of his four, uh, final four games. 11% target share of that stretch. The Rams still don't have really anyone. There's no one in that backfield that scares you to take touches away from Cam Akers. So the question is sort of which Cam Akers are you getting and where he's going in drafts. I don't mind taking the flyer on volume and saying, hey, there's a chance that, like, they do have Stafford back. They do have Cooper Cup back. Like, they're going to they're gonna need to generate offense somehow. And so McVay has, you know, over the time that he's been in L.A., more often than not picked one running back and sort of gone with that. There have been a couple times where it's been a little committee-ish, but, I, you know, I'm not really scared about Kyron Williams or anything like that taking touches away. So, you know, volume is king for running backs. Give me some Cam Akers here at 61. Yeah, I don't mind it for where he's going uh, outside the top 60. At the same time, like this Rams team is such a mess. The second best best player on their defense, they just signed like two days ago, John Johnson. (laughs) He's clearly the second best player on their defense. He just got signed. The team is a complete... It feels like they're going to get like relegated and be playing in the CFL next year. There's just nothing on this team outside of Cup, Donald, Stafford... Uh, I, I'm just Higby. Cons- Higby? Yeah. I like Higby. Is Higby like the fifth year. best player on the team? He might be. Yeah. <laughs> H- H- but my point is, is right that like I'm with you. I, I don't know how many scoring opportunities the Rams are going to have, um, uh, and I don't. It's a, it's not a good offensive line. It's it's a bad offense. But again, for if you if you do zero RB or you're just sure. looking in this mid round, like like it's hard to find a running back in this range that's going to get that has a t- potential for 20 touches a game. And Cam Akers legitimately has that potential. Yep, and he was great towards the end of last season. It, genuinely excellent. Moving over to 71 through 80. This one starts with David Montgomery, now with the Detroit Lions. James Cook, Rashad White, J.K. Dobbins, a stack of running backs, followed by a stack of wide receivers and Mike Evans, Michael Pittman Jr., Jordan Addison, the rookie coming in at 77, Jackson Smith and Jigba at 78, Javante Williams, the hopeful return of Javante Williams at 79. And then maybe the most complex quarterback to figure out in fantasy this year, Barry, with Deshaun Watson at 80, now officially done with suspension. He came back last year, a lot of rust in his game, but in a Browns offense that maybe can be potent through the air. Right. I mean, Watson's a fascinating player, right, because he looked so bad last year, but there was so much, you know, a lot of things going on there, certainly rusty, um, a lot of controversy about his return. But now, full season, full off season, he is the guy. He's gotten into Stefanski's system. And unlike all those Houston years where they were a bad team and it was, you know, somewhat junk inflated, the fact of the matter is, is that um, the Browns are going to be good this year. They have legit weapons on offense, very good offensive line. They have the best running back in football in Nick Chubb. Amari Cooper is a legit wide receiver one for an NFL franchise. You and I both like Cedric Tillman right. as a piece there. You know, Elijah Moore is there. Elijah now. Moore is there. Maybe the resurgence there. of Elijah Moore. Top five fantasy quarterback in his three full career seasons. All six games he played last year, he had 20 or more rushing yards. So, I mean, that's still a part of his game. And, you know, I just, 
he's my quarterback nine. He's my quarterback nine. He's not someone that um, I feel super comfortable going into a season with as my only quarterback. But uh, I don't mind if you wait on quarterback. I don't mind you wait, winding up with him and then like a you know a mid-tier QB2. Like, Watson, like if, I was, if I was in a one-quarterback league, coming out of the draft with like Watson and then like Anthony Richardson's pretty interesting. Right, you know, like not like nine and twelve is I think where they have them in my ranks. Do you think there's a bit of an inconsistency that Watson is being considered in one way that is completely different to the way that Michael Thomas is being considered? In that the last time Watson was good was 2020. The last time Michael Thomas was good was 2019 when he was the best wide receiver in all of football. I get it; it's different. Thomas has had injuries. Watson hasn't, uh, and has been out for other reasons. But I can't get over how bad he looked at the end of last season yeah, and I get, I get it that. the context but he looked horrific in a way that was really unusual where certainly the betting market kept on expecting that he was just going to bounce back and be better and he just never was he was just about the worst quarterback in football 81 through 90 81 is the highest ranked player that is still without a team that is Dalvin Cook then Gabe Davis and Cortland Sutton Pat Fryermuth, who we talked about earlier on the show Brandon Cooks now with Dallas, DeAndre Swift now with the Eagles, Quentin Johnson, first-round rookie wide receiver with the Chargers, Michael Thomas there at 88 with the Saints, Antonio Gibson on your Washington Commanders, and at 90, coming off an incredible season, Evan Ingram, recent uh, extension too from Jacksonville. Evan Ingram with a breakout year, a new home, and seems to be very happy in Jacksonville. Uh, There's no question about it. That's an offense that I'm really interested in. I think Cortland Sutton um, is kind of – I think people are forgetting about Cortland Sutton. Like we're 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 in on Denver's offense and a resurgence of that, and he's just going so much later than uh, than Russell. I'm sorry, than Jerry Judy. And a lot of news out of camp is just Wilson to Sutton, Wilson to Sutton. So we'll see there. I love Antonio Gibson this year as well. But the player I want to talk about specifically here is Brandon Cooks. Dalton Schultz and Noah Brown last year had 163 targets. That's a 30 percent target share that has been vacated. Brandon Cooks has played nine seasons in the NFL for a bunch of different teams. He's had over 1,000 yards in six of them. Um, Three straight seasons with a target share above 20%. Like, they need somebody else to complement C.D. Lamb. And we like Michael Gallup as a player here, but I think there's an argument to be made that Brandon Cooks might be, you know, a very viable wide receiver four with some upside given the right matchup and everything like that. Like, I... Brandon, Cook, I, I've never understood why Brandon Cooks keeps going from team to team to team, but feels like he produces wherever he goes. Yeah, that's the thing is that he's just good. Even last year, like he was fine in Houston for for what he had around him. I think people are underrating the Cowboys in general way too much. Like they're viewed as, I think, people think of the NFC as Philly and San Francisco, and there may be a drop down to like Dallas and Detroit. To me, they're right there. Like if yeah. I had to place one a bet on a team to win the Super Bowl at the moment, Dallas at sixteen to one would be my bet. This offense is loaded. People are underrating Dak as well because of how bad it ended last year. Dak Prescott is a top ten quarterback in the NFL to me, and now he's got. And it's still, as always, an elite offensive line. I think Michael Gallup will be better as well. Between Gallup, Lamb, Cooks, those are three very strong weapons at receiver. And then the defense is loaded as always. I think Parsons will win Defensive Player of the Year. I'd just be buying as much Dallas shares as I can. We close out the top 100. Starting at 91, Jacoby Myers now with the Raiders. Traylon Burks. Alvin Kamara, Samaji Piran, George Pickens, Jahan Dotson. A.J. Dillon coming in at 97. At 98 is David Njoku, tight end for the Browns. Rashad Bateman, now back practicing, I believe, with the Ravens. And then Tua Tagovailoa at number 100 with Tua. Never about the production and all about the health in Miami. Jacoby Myers is one of those guys that no one ever wants to draft. And that when you draft him, if you're in a live draft, if you're hanging out at a bar or something like that with all your buddies and you say the name Jacoby Myers, like no one's going to go like, ooh. Like they'll do that when you draft Sky Moore. You know what I mean? Like, if you want to, ooh, you know, like, there'll be, there's, like, kind of sexy players that everyone will be like, ah, oh, man, I wanted him. That was my sleeper. Ah, oh, man. Like, no one's going to be like, Jacoby Myers, that was my guy. No Sniped. one's going to do that. All right? He's kind of snoozy. But he's also had back-to-back years of being a top 30 fantasy wide receiver. You think about his most productive season, 2021 in New England, under Josh McDaniels, who he's now reunited with in Las Vegas. No Matt Collins, no Darren Waller on the team. 31% target share from last year is up for grabs in this Las Vegas offense. And, by the way, their running back that they centered around 
isn't there at the moment. So there's a chance they do have to go pass happy this year because uh, they're not going to be able to run the ball as effective. Touchdowns are always an issue for Myers. He's never been a big scoring wide receiver. But I think in terms of, especially if you play in PPR, like he's going to be like a top 30-ish wide receiver who won't cost you anywhere near that. And like he's just kind of like a boring, safe player that can just sort of get you, you know, uh, a solid, you know, whatever, 12 points a week and just, okay, good. I'm good. You know who Jacoby Myers is? He's Brandon Cooks. They're like right. the same, he's three years younger than Brandon Cooks. He's the Brandon Cooks profile of production uh, without excitement. Uh, I would just worry, look, for going outside the top 90, absolutely, like there's value there. I just worry that the bottom can fall out of that team very quickly. If Jimmy gets hurt and it's the Brian Hoyer show, then that offense is going to burn. But at the same time, even if it is Brian Hoyer, I still think he can put up points. Yeah, I mean, listen, Brian Hoyer, like, he doesn't have the biggest arm, but he'll be able to get it to Jacoby Myers. Yep. I mean, so anyway, I, I'm just saying, like, he's a snoozy, snoozy pick that will absolutely return value. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Experience the joy of running in the new Triumph 22 from Saucony, the original running brand. Stacked with luxury foam cushioning, Triumph 22 turns miles into smiles. With the ultimate blend of comfort and energy return. Shop Triumph 22 at Saucony.com. That's S-A-U-C-O-N-Y.com. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. The Premier League is back Saturday on NBC and streaming on Peacock. Head to Northwest England, where the surprise club of last season, Newcastle, looks to continue their great form take on Aston Villa. 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time on NBC and Peacock. We continue our guest bartender series, and it's time to do a little trivia night at the bar. And who better to bring in than somebody that works tirelessly on this show? Welcome in, Damian Dabrowski. Damian, it's great to have you here. Yeah, Connor, I think the lesson is we really will let anybody up here yes. at this point. <laughs> that's, I mean, That's the point we're at. I don't so. know who's coming on Monday, but uh, between this and Lawrence trying to kick Matthew out of yesterday, I think we should probably invest in some bar security at some point. Something. Something. Absolutely right. There's, um, well, when you get drunk enough, you know, you'll let pretty much anyone in. So Damien, our producer here, uh, probably best known around the show for losing to me at NFL Blitz. Just want to point that out right now. There's a Blitz, NFL Blitz champion on the set, and it is this guy. Not him. Last second touchdown to Jerry Rice. Thank you very much. Well, I was covering him with a D lineman, so yeah, that was a mistake. I, I, I did not get a choice as to who covered Jerry Rice. It was it was not a good scene. Uh, but yes, trivia. So okay, what uh, we got? Matthew, your hundred facts right on the site. Each year when we put that together, there's obviously a lot of stuff that we can't use. Just we have to cut. So I kind of yep. went through a lot of the stuff that we cut and try to pick out some interesting facts that I think can springboard us to talk about some players here. So I'm going to start with running backs, guys, and let's go this. Who led all running backs in yards per target last season? So yards per target, we're talking receiving. Who led all running backs in yards per target last season? We'll start with you, Matthew. I bet you it's somebody like um, like it's like it's 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 not Nick Chubb, but it's somebody like it's like somebody like you wouldn't expect because right. hundred facts is always about that. Um, but uh, all running backs in yards per target last year. Uh, like, is there a minimum or just... Uh, let's say 40 targets. So somebody, we're not looking at guys who, you know, caught 10 passes, but at least got decent at, usage. At least, uh, at least 40 targets. I'll say... Yards per target. Uh, um, DeAndre Swift. Okay. I'm going to go with Tony Pollard because it felt like every time they didn't give the ball to Zeke and threw it to Pollard that something good happened. I'll go over Montre Stevenson. Ooh, I like that guess. I like that so guess. So you were on the right track, Matthew. Definitely a surprising answer. It's actually Derrick Henry. Never, oh, Derrick Henry never would have got led that. all running backs in the yards per target last season. I think right now, right, he's going around the 2-3 turn. I think that's probably the lowest we've seen him in the last couple of seasons. Yeah. And there's a couple of reasons for that, I think, between the age and the volume and the O-line concerns. But I think what 
we haven't really heard people talk about is if Derrick Henry catches 35, 40 passes again next season, there's a pretty good chance he's going to be a top five running back, regardless of all the other things. So I think the question here is, do you see that as something that we're going to see again this season, something that could even expand, or was that an anomaly and we're going to go back to Derrick Henry, you know, what he was before? I, I don't think it's an anomaly. I mean, again, like, I always go back, this is a, my friend Ron Chandler, who's a legend in the fantasy baseball industry, um, always used to say, once you display a skill, you own it. And so that, he was referring to baseball players for right. fantasy baseball, but I think it applies here as well. So the fact that he was you know, usable as a pass catcher for the Titans last year makes me think they're going to be like, okay, here's a new wrinkle for us. Again, the other thing is, yes, there are offensive line concerns, and you're always worried about, you know, given the crazy amounts of usage, like three straight seasons with at least 23 and a half touches per game, right? But the other thing is, is think about this offense. Traylon Brooks is now established. You're bringing in DeAndre Hopkins. I love my guy, Chica Conquo. So all of a sudden, like, Derrick Henry, who saw probably the most eight-man fronts this side of Nick Chubb, suddenly is going to see some six- and seven-man fronts because you can't just load up the box and put DeAndre Hopkins and Traylon Brooks in single coverage. Like, you're going to have to – like, there's going to be some zone coverage. There's going to have to be some, some lighter fronts. So I think he'll find more running lanes. And, yeah, I do think that there's a chance that – we were talking a year from now and that, hey, Derrick Henry had 33 receptions or something like that. I don't think it's crazy at all. I mean, you just look at that last year and the ways to get him involved and the way the offense has gone and keeping him healthy and getting him in space. He's a disaster to tackle in space, and that's another way to get him in space. Yeah, and I think the other thing with Henry is that the state of that O-line is so dire at the moment that I don't think it's an option to just run him up the middle 350 times. Like, they're going to need to diversify. Uh, and Henry, uh, with the screen pass and the home run game, uh, I think could be one way to do it. All right, Damien, what do you got next for us? So we'll stick with running backs, but we'll look at kind of the running side of the ball here. Who led all running backs in avoided tackle rate last season? So basically percentage of situations that were able to avoid a tackle successfully did that. Who had the highest rate last season? That one I'll say Tony Pollard. I'll nominate Tony Pollard there. Okay, I will go with Travis Etienne. I'll take Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb. Okay, so... I'm thinking you and Tony Pollard because of the after-contact stuff we talked right, about earlier, right? right? I was Which that too. is a good guess, and he's up there. But it was actually Damian Pierce, who we talked about earlier on the show. And I think he's an interesting guy there, too, because things technically kind of went pretty well for him prior to the injury yeah. last season, where he got all the work. He was even involved in the pass game. But the team was so bad, he still finished his RB20 in points per game. But I think now, much better line. We're hearing reports that he's even more involved in the pass catching. And we have this stat and many others to show us he was actually really good with the ball last season. What's the upside in Damian Pierce? Is he somebody that we could be drafting in the third round next season, even though he is on the Texans? 74% of the team rush attempts last year prior to his injury. That was the third highest rate among all running backs as well. 9% target share, like he had multiple receptions in 9 of 13 games. Like actually, so not a complete zero in the passing game. Not a huge part there, but... He had 10 different games where he had 15 or more touches. He averaged over 103 yards from scrimmage in those games. To your point, we're not saying the Texans' offense is going to be awesome, but they're going to be more competent than they were last year. We expect C.J. Stroud, despite what we saw last night, we expect C.J. Stroud to be a little bit uh, better. To your point about the offensive line, they've invested there as well. Again, Tank Dell, Nico Collins, whatever, the, the ghost of Robert Woods. Like, th There's going to be a more competent passing attack this year in Houston, I like to call Damian Pierce as somebody who played well when he got a chance last year. I'm an excellent tackle breaker, and it was also a good sign, I know people think this is crazy, that they were very careful when he started to get banged up last year because the belief they have in him, they feel like they found a gem in Damian Pierce in the draft that year. The season was lost last year as they were kind of in that hunt for the number one pick and shockingly didn't get it. They shut him down because I think they have massive expectations for him going forward. Yeah, I think he's criminally underrated. And also, as much usage as he did get last year, I mean, the first week of the season, it was the Rex Burkhead show for whatever it's reason. Ridiculous. Then they went full Pierce. But even after they did that, to your point, at the end of the season, they really did go away from him the last few weeks. And I think back to that primetime game against Philadelphia where he just carved them up. And I know they didn't have a great run defense, but at the same time, he looked like a top three running back in football that night. He's got that level of talent. And the other thing here, by the way, guys, is like, like you think about that backfield room, like Devin Singletary doesn't scare me at all. And like Dario Gumbawale, like it's a third down back. Like, I mean, whatever. They played one game in a small sample, but like Ogumbawale was coming in on third down, not with, with the starters, not, not Singletary. So I don't know. Like I'm, I mean, like we, we look for bell cow running backs in fantasy. 
He's a bell cow running back. And I know Titus Howard has a minor injury right now, but that line is good. I mean, they've yeah. drafted and spent a lot of money on that line. It should help him. All right, Damian, what's our last question here for Trivia All at the Bar? Right. Let's, uh, let's close it out with some receivers here. So who is the only player with at least eight receiving touchdowns in each of the past five seasons? So five years straight with at least eight receiving touchdowns. There's only one player who can say they've done that. Uh, Devontae Adams? Would be my guess. That would be That's one of mine. Guess. I am going to go Stephon Diggs. I'll take Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey. All great guesses. It's actually Tyler Lockett. No wow. touchdown uh, scorer. Tyler Lockett. Which is crazy, right? That stat too. Dang it! Uh, <laughs> Dang it. Uh, I sent it. It got it got left yes. on the cutting room floor. <laughs> I know um, it did. But it did. We we talked about JSN earlier, right? Coming off that game. If you remember last year when we did the, uh, our end-of-year awards, Tyler Lockett was one of our most best values for draft picks because he was going as like wide receiver 40, ended up finishing as wide receiver 16 in points per game. Now with all the hype about JSN, is this potentially another year where we look back at the end of the season we're like, guys, why was Tyler Lockett going after JSN? Why was he going as wide receiver 40? That part, I agree with you. That part is absolutely crazy. So three straight seasons with at least a 22% target share. Like he was a, I believe he was wide receiver 12 last year. With, um, I think wide receiver 13 in total points. Yeah, and wide receiver 13. I mean, like, he had a great year, a very underrated great year because there was so much about Geno. And, you know, like, Geno was such a great story that Tyler Lockett season sort of got um, uh, under the rug there. But to your point, 12 games last year with 12 more fantasy points, tied for third among wide receivers. Wow. Like, the talent is there. There's clearly a connection with Geno Smith. That was the concern last year when Russell Wilson moved on. It's like, wow, Russell and Lockett had such a – uh, such a great connection. Is that going to be there with Gino? And it was, guys. Yeah. I think that with Tyler Lockett, he's kind of uh, in that same bucket with Jacoby Myers and Brandon Cook, so he's not super exciting, but the guy he's just better. produces, yeah. and he is better than them. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, yeah he's, he's very underrated. The consistency, and you also wonder, does JSN being in that offense maybe even open it up a little bit more, right? He's playing with just DK Metcalf every year, which is great. But still, that you can lock in on, on a guy like Lockett and Metcalf when it's just them two. So JSN could even help a little bit. And that model of consistency with the touchdowns is just absolutely insane. That's the best yeah. trick question, I think, on the list here. Yeah, it, again, a guy that was a top 12 wide receiver last year, a top 13 wide receiver in total points, going outside the top 30. And the only reason is because they added another wide receiver. And again, we all like JSN, but like everything else is the same, right? It's the same coaching staff. It's the same quarterback. The whole thing, like the hate on Tyler Lockett has gone way too far. Damien, good job. I think you, uh, you may have earned yourself Thank another you. <laughs> gig. You may have to be uh, coming back. Very good trivia. So for our producer, Damien Dabrowski, for Jay Croucher, for Connor Rogers, it is closing time. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. We're back on Monday. More preseason games this weekend. We'll break it all down. Remember, Tank Dell drinks free. We'll see you on Monday. Peace out. Experience the joy of running in the new Triumph 22 from Saucony, the original running brand. Stacked with luxury foam cushioning, Triumph 22 turns miles into smiles with the ultimate blend of comfort and energy return. Shop Triumph 22 at Saucony.com. That's S-A-U-C-O-N-Y.com. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.